Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. And so I want to start with, I know this is, some of you are just going to think this is absolutely ridiculous, but you have to love dogs to understand. And so I was uh, studying my little sweetie and thinking about how we can learn so much from the life of a dog. And so I'm going to share with you because dogs trust their masters. And I was noticing we have two service dogs, beautiful dogs, and don't touch them, please, in case I learned the hard way. One day we had a service dog in here, and of course they're just a bundle of love, and you just want to bury your face in their fur. And I, so what do I do? I go up and I start petting, and then one of my daughters, who are always faithful to correct their mother, <laughs> came to me and said, you know you're not supposed to touch them without the permission of the owner. I said, no, I didn't know that, and I'm glad I didn't. So it's really difficult to um, not do that because they're just so obedient. But so I'm just telling you, don't touch them without the permission of their owner. But these are just a few things. I didn't get this out of a book. I got it from the life of my dog. Lessons from the life of a dog, an example of trust, because today we're going to talk about what it means to trust the Lord. And you'll only understand this if you like dogs. And if you don't, then therapy may help. Okay, number one. (laughs) I'm kidding. Number one, when someone rubs you wrong, shake it off. Number two, refuse to take your eyes off of the one who feeds and provides for you. Focus your eyes on them until you receive your desire. Three, express excitement to be with your owner and with those you love. Now we're applying this to the Lord. Number four, give lots of cuddles and kisses. Number five, position yourself to guard your territory from danger and stay alert. I read an article because, you know, our dog does sleep with us. And one thing we always noticed is Randy sleeps closer to the door. And she will always position herself at the corner of the bed facing the door. And I didn't want that. I wanted her in the middle of the bed next to my head. And I read that, the, that there is an instinct in dogs to watch their surroundings to protect from danger. And that's consistent with scripture because Jesus said, if, the, if you knew at what hour the thief would strike, you would have been alert and not let him. Number six, obey the master's tug and follow his leading with no resistance. There are some times that Winnie and I don't go for a walk. We go for a drag because I drag her most of the way. Number seven, be a best friend who loves unconditionally and keep your tail wagging. I have had an opportunity lately that I haven't had in years, and that is to talk to my godmother often. I've told you about her very much. She's honestly, I'm not 
blowing her horn, except to tell you I've never known anyone as close to the Lord that walks as closely and that has had as many miracles as she has. It's astounding. And lately, I've had an opportunity to talk to her. She uh, and her husband are sheep ranchers. She lives pretty far away on the boonies. And, and uh, so while we text, we don't have the opportunity to talk. But lately, there was a situation in her family, and uh, we've been able to talk very often, which I absolutely love. And so she called me the other day because she wanted to tell me a story. And uh, it was pretty profound. She was three and a half hours from her home and uh, was going to have to attend a service, a funeral service, actually, and did not have any clothes but her ranch clothes. And she just, Lord, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to drive three and a half hours by myself, get some clothes, and then drive three and a half hours back, which, of course, seven hours. It's a long way. And so she committed it to the Lord, cast the care upon the Lord, as 1 Peter 5 commands us to do. And the next day, she walked into the bedroom, and her entire wardrobe was laying on the bed. True story. Nobody had gone and gotten it for her. Nobody knew how it got there. How do you think it got there? Angels still minister on behalf of those who will inherit salvation. And she called me so excited. She said, Sandy, my whole wardrobe was right there. Now, if God did that for her, there's one scripture I can really think of. It's Matthew 6. If God so cares for the birds of the air, won't he care for you? If he cares so much for the lilies of the field that, how does it go? They bloom today and tomorrow they're cast in the furnace. How much more? And so we serve a much more father. And whatever our need is, I know God is there to provide it. And he cared about her clothes and, and loving father, Abba, did not want his daughter, who is almost, I think she's 79 now, 78 or 79, driving seven hours by herself, mostly on country roads. And so he just said, a clothes angel. You know, there's angels over everything. Got her clothes and laid them out. I kind of like that. Number eight, come boldly to the master's lap and just put yourself right there. Hebrews 4, 16 says to come boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And, you know, I mean, I sit in my chair in the morning and I have my Bible and my journal and my books and my pens and my lap is covered and here comes Winnie up on the chair and she takes her paw and she does this, this, this which means move out of the way, I'm sitting on your lap. Now, if I say, I'm praying right now, I'm reading my Bible, she doesn't care. She just comes boldly, because you know what? She knows I love her, and she trusts me. So we can learn a lot from animals. And you know what? Nature, the Bible says creation declares his glory. So we ought to become more aware of creation. We can learn a whole lot even from, from nature, from trees, from seasons. I mean, we had another three days of winter, but it was horrible winter. I mean, remember back in December when it's not even supposed to be cold in South Texas, and we had three days of below 17 degrees. And so much in my yard appeared dead. But it's all coming back. And what didn't, we cut down and replanted. 
So nature even teaches us that what might appear dead and dormant and barren, if there's still life in it, it's going to come back. So be more aware of surroundings. They'll speak to you if you allow them to. So lately I have been taken into, and most of you know what kind of year I've had, and uh, I'm waiting for all of the wonderful words for 2023 to be fulfilled, and I do believe they will. But the Lord has been calling me to a much deeper level of trust. And you know, you might call it the road less traveled. Because it's easy to travel the road where you can walk by sight and where your physical senses agree with everything you need and see. But the fact is, and the truth is, that's not a journey of trust. A journey of trust goes much deeper than that. So let's look at, at some scriptures, and I'm actually going to take you through a lot of scriptures. We're going to learn what it means to trust the Lord and how to appropriate the word of God. Because if you're not in a season right now where you really need to submit to a deep and abiding trust in Jesus, you will be. If you're not in that season, then it's your turn to surround people that are in the season so that when your season comes, you will be surrounded because we comfort others with the same comfort wherewith we are comforted. And that's all there is to it. So in Luke chapter 5 and verses 1 through 9, there was a great multitude that pressed around Jesus to hear the word of God. And he stood by the lake and he saw two boats standing by the lake. And the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, of course. And he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Uh-oh. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, We've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets were breaking. And so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' feet. He said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish, which they had taken. I have a question for you today. What is your deep? What is the Lord asking you to launch out into? That Greek word for launch means literally to lead up upon. And so when the Lord asks you to launch something in your life, to trust him, he's asking you to lead up upon his word. What is he saying to you? What makes you afraid? What gives you pause? What do you really not want to do and wish you didn't have to do? Or what are you walking through that it just doesn't seem like a way out without some form of divine intervention? And, and you've toiled and you've prayed and you've stood and you've believed and you've declared and you've proclaimed and you've gotten the intercessors and you've gotten the prophetic and you have the promises of God and yet there doesn't appear to be any results. You fished all night. You caught nothing. And Jesus is asking again, put out your net again. It's not over. When is it over? When your net is so full that it's starting to break. It's called life in abundance to the full till it overflows. Another example, Luke 8, 22 through 25. One of those days, he and his disciples got into a boat. Seems like a lot happens in the boat of life, right? And he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. All right, so they had a word from God. We're going to the other side. 
And you know what happens. As they were sailing, well, Jesus went to sleep. Sometimes that's how I feel. I feel like, are you asleep? And a whirlwind revolving from below upward swept down on the lake, and the boat was filling with water, and they were in great danger. Okay, this is a real thing. They were in great danger. It wasn't perceived. It wasn't a mirage. They were in great danger. And the disciples came and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he, being thoroughly awakened, censored and blamed and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased. And there came a calm. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? Where is your faith, your trust, your confidence in me, in my veracity and in my integrity? I love that. What a beautiful rebuke. Where is your faith? And then faith is amplified. Trust, confidence in Jesus, his veracity and his integrity. And they were seized with alarm and profound and reverent dread. And they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even wind and sea? And they obey him. They were in complete obedience to Jesus. He said, get in the boat, let us go to the other side. They had the word of the Lord. What did that mean? They were going to make it. And yet a storm arose and they were in great danger. That's when trust comes in. When you have obeyed what God has told you to do. You're fulfilling your call. You're in your destined calling. And a danger hits you. And then what? We'll do what they did. Wake up, Jesus. <laughs> He's in your boat. And resist fear. Let me tell you something. Fear is a very real force. The Apostle Paul called it a spirit of fear. It's a real force. Your heart starts to race. You get clammy. You might start to shake. You feel that horrible anxiety. Anybody in here never felt fear? You have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah, 100%. Everybody knows the force of fear. But that doesn't mean you have to let it overtake you. What do you do? If all you can do is say, save me. That's what Peter said. Peter didn't say, help me, when he sank on the water. He said, save me, sozo me, deliver me, rescue me, cry out to him. He's not deaf. We've already established he does hear our prayers. Even when you don't feel like it, he hears our prayers. Just know that every step of obedience you take, there can be a storm around the corner. With every command comes a test. What is your storm? Because your storm will either overpower you or cause you to overcome. But I love, love, love what Rick always says. Every storm has an expiration date or shelf life. Either way. You know, if you were in San Antonio Friday night, we had a lot of storm warnings. We went from a beautiful day. And all of a sudden, the sky starts getting black and blacker and blacker and blacker. And the news is saying, take cover. And it hit. But I love what they said. This is a very fast-moving storm. It will only last an hour, and then the calm will come, and that's what happened. 
May every storm we ever face from this day forward be a fast-moving storm. And yes, it hailed. And we're standing at the window speaking of that thing. I'm not replacing my roof again, devil, in Jesus' name. But we were safe. It's all about one simple word, and it's the word trust. I like the acronym for faith, forsaking all I trust him, F-A-I-T-H, forsaking all I trust him. But I want to give you the Hebrew definition of trust. It means to trust, have confidence, to be bold, to be secure, to make secure, and this is my favorite one, to feel safe. Because as I've told you many times, I grew up not feeling safe. And one thing that is probably more important to me than almost anything I can tell you is to feel safe. And there's only one safe place, and that's in the shelter of the wings of the Lord. It's Psalm 107, 23 through 31. Now, these are people that were in perfect obedience to the Lord. We always quote Psalm 107, 20. He sent his word and healed you and rescued you from the pit and destruction. But that follows a scripture that says these people were sick because they were fools and disobedient. And even for those, he sent his word and healed. But this is for people that are obedient. The sea in the scripture represents the sea of people. Some go down to the sea and travel over it in ships to do business in great waters. So we're talking about life in general. These see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commands, he commands and raises up the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. So here we are on the sea of life, minding our own business, doing what God calls us to do, and all of a sudden, bam, waves come, the storm comes, the trial comes, the great waters come to overflow us, to drown us, to steal our hope. And look what happens. Verse 26, those aboard mount up to the heavens, they go down again to the deeps, their courage melts away because of their plight. They reel to and fro, and they stagger like a drunken man, and they are at their wit's end. Have you ever been at your wit's end? What does that look like? God, I don't know what to do. I believe I've done what you've told me to do. Having done all, I'm standing, Lord. Nothing's changing. I'm at my wit's end. That's what it means. Okay, wait a minute. Here we go. All their wisdom has come to nothing. And then they cry to the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distresses. He hushes the storm to a calm and to a gentle whisper, so that the waves of the sea are still. Then the men are glad because of the calm, and he brings them to their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and loving kindness and wonderful works to the children of men. So when you're at your wit's end, the Bible says cry out to the Lord in your distress until he brings you to your desired haven. I like that. That gives me great comfort. On April 16th of this year, I was walking one night, and the Lord spoke to me regarding areas and showed me areas I have not yet fully trusted him. I would have told you that I did, and you will probably say that you do. But when you're faced with things sometime, you find out that you don't. We've all been there. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. 
You know this scripture, but let's read it. Lean on, trust in, and be confident in the Lord with all of your heart and mind. Ooh, that's the hard part is the mind. <laughs> and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct and make straight and plain your paths. I love this. He will make plain your paths. And when you're in a storm and you don't know what to do and you're being called to trust the Lord, I think one of the most powerful prayers you can pray, Lord, make it plain. I'm trusting you to make plain my path, my direction. That word path in the Hebrew means my journey or my road or my way. So this is how we truly trust him on our journey. We acknowledge who he is. That's why this summer in Bible study, even though you might be traveling and you might not be able to make all of them, I mean, at least come to some and at least get the Bible study book. I go over everything in the book, every aspect of the Father's heart, every aspect of who Jehovah still is. He changes not. And I personally am looking forward to walking the path again. Because if you trust in the Lord, you've got to know who he is. Amen. You've got to know he, him as your shepherd. So often we heard it said that 2023 is about Psalm 23. The Lord, our shepherd, who leads us beside still waters, who makes us lie down in green pastures, who restores our souls, who leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, who leads us through the valley of the shadow of death, not to live there, but through it. And so it is, it is vital that you acknowledge him in all of your ways. That word acknowledge means to know who he is. That's what the Hebrew means. You can't know who he is if you don't know his character. I've used the example many, 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 many times. I'm going to do it again. If somebody went to my daughter, Katie, or my granddaughter, Abigail, they're both here today. They, and, and Abigail, they said to you, I saw your Mimi at a bar last night. She was dressed really skimpy, left nothing to the imagination, and she was drinking shots one after another. What would you say? That is not my grandmother. That is not my grandmother, because she knows me. She knows me. I would never dress like that, and I don't drink. I don't like alcohol. I'm not judging you if you do. I'm just, I can't. I think it, I won't tell you what I think it tastes like. So acknowledge, know who he is. And you know how you have to know him so well that when the storm hits you, when the adversity hits you, when the trial hits you, when the symptoms hit you, when the reports hit you, you're able to say, that's not my God. That's not my father. Isaiah 51, who has believed the report of the Lord and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? That's not my father. So let's just read some scriptures on trust. And as I told you, I, you know, for the first 20 years of my life, I just did not feel safe. And my security blanket was my maternal grandmother. That is why I'm telling you I am an awesome Mimi, right, Abigail? Like, amazing, right? Yes. I am because I was so safe with her. I mean, if she had to knock somebody out of the way to protect me, she'd do it. 
I mean, she protected me from my parents, if that tells you anything. And I'll never forget, you know, when Randy and I were dating, we had a very, uh, very short breakup, very short breakup. When I went to a and I mean, it was extremely short, but it still happened. And I was very brokenhearted. And I had, um, I was back in San Antonio, and I remember I was just coming to know the Lord. I hadn't even given my heart to Jesus yet, but I believed him. I believed that he was real. I believed that I had a father in God. I, I believed what I knew at the time. How shall they hear without a preacher? And, and I hadn't heard yet. When I did hear, I believed. But I believed what I knew about him. And I remember I was on my knees and I was praying for comfort because I was brokenhearted. And my grandmother, my grandmother was a very, very, very big woman. And she came to the door and she put her hands on her hips. And whenever her hands were on her hips, it was like, get thee behind me, Satan, because I'm pretty sure he was afraid of her. And, and she said, what's wrong? And I said, Grandma, I'm okay. No, what's, what's wrong? And I said, well, Randy, Randy broke up with me, but I'll be okay. And she called him a really bad name. <laughs> and you know, that was just okay with God. Because sometimes you just need somebody. Right? To defend you. <laughs> and at least I laughed. 2 Samuel 22, 31. I'm going to read you a succession of trust scriptures and what each one of them means. All right, let's go. 2 Samuel 22, 31. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a shield to those who trust him, to those who make him their safe place, to those who make them him their confidence and their confidant. He's a shield. Psalm 511, let all those who take refuge and put their trust in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy because you make a covering over them and defend them. And let all those who love your name be joyful in you and in high spirits. So for those who trust the Lord, we can be joyful in high spirits. Psalm 71, o, o Lord, my God, in you I take refuge and put my trust. Save me from those who pursue and persecute me and deliver me. He's a deliverer for those who put their confidence in him. Psalm 910, and those who know your name will lean on and put their trust in you. For you have not forsaken those who seek you on the authority of your word and right of their necessity. Psalm 13:5, I have trusted leaned on and been confident in your mercy and loving kindness. And my heart shall rejoice and be in high spirits in your salvation. Psalm 17, 7, show your marvelous loving kindness. O you who save by your right hand, those who trust and take refuge in you from those who rise up against them. This is a powerful verse. God, when you trust him, he will show his marvelous loving kindness and save you from those who persecute you, i.e. the enemy. Psalm 18, 2, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I trust and take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. Psalm 21, 7, for the king trusts in you and through the mercy and steadfast of the most high, he will never be moved. 
Psalm 22, 5. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed or confounded or disappointed. So when you trust in the Lord, he promises that you are not going to be ashamed. I love that because let me tell you something. That's one of the big lies of the devil is that you're going to be put to shame. And it is, and I've heard it, and I know you have too. Excuse me. Verse, this is my favorite, I got to tell you. This is from the Passion, Psalm 25, verse 20 and 21. Will you protect me from the enemy's power against me? I have taken shelter in you. Here you go. Let it never be said that when I trusted you, you didn't come to my rescue. Can you say that with me? Let it never be said that when I trusted you, you didn't come to my rescue. Again, let it never be said that when I trusted you, you didn't come to my rescue. Verse 21, your perfection and faithfulness are my bodyguards, for you are my hope, and I trust in you as my only protection. Psalm 28, 7, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in you, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song, I praise you. Psalm 31, 19, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, your goodness, which you have wrought for those who trust and take refuge in you before the sons of men. Psalm 33, 21, in him does our heart rejoice because we've trusted his holy name, the name of Jesus. Psalm 34, 8, you know this one. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed are those who trust in him. Psalm 37, 3, trust and be confident in the Lord and do good and you will dwell in the land and feed surely on his faithfulness. For sure, for sure. It's for certain if you trust in him. For certain, you will feed on his faithfulness. It's easy to say this when you're not going through a storm or a trial. It's a whole nother thing when you are. Psalm 52, 8, but I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the loving kindness and mercy of God forever. Psalm 56, 3 and 11, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I have put my trust I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? What, but uh, Sandy, I'm shaking. I'm nervous. I'm anxious. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. Amen. Say it. Lord, I feel fear, but I choose to trust you. Listen, you might not be able to control your, the heart, your heart rate. You might not be able to control the anxiety. I wish we all had a switch or a button, but we don't. But you can control your words, and you can control who you go to for help, and you can control if you get in the word and get in the scripture. Take the scriptures I'm giving you today and say them. When I'm afraid, Lord, I am afraid now, Lord, but I put my trust and confidence in you. That's how you do it. That's how you keep from drowning in the storm. And like I said, if you're not afraid or if you're not going through a storm right now, that day will come. It has to. Storms come. In Matthew 7, Jesus said the house built on the rock, when the storm comes, the house will not fall. But what does a storm come and do? It beats on the house. What is the purpose of the storm? To make your house fall. But if your house is built on the word, 
You're going to feel the beating. You're going to feel the shaking. The other night, I could feel the storm. I could feel the hailstones hitting my windows and my door. I could feel my dog shaking like a leaf. I could feel that. But I didn't succumb to it. There's a difference. This, this has got to be one of my favorites. Psalm 112.7. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings or evil reports. His heart is firmly fixed, trusting in the Lord. So what happens if you're waiting for a report? Lord, I will not fear evil tidings. My heart is fixed, trusting in you. And it goes on to say, I will not be afraid until I look with satisfaction upon my enemies. Say it. I don't feel it. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The word has more power than your feelings. Psalm 91, 1 and 2. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty whose power no folk can withstand. I will say of the Lord. I will say of the Lord. He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God in whom I trust. You got to say so. I will say of the Lord. You're my refuge. You're my fortress. You're my God, and I trust you. Use your mouth. Put it in your heart. Speak it out of your mouth. Put on shaking. I trust you, God. There's nothing in the word that says you're supposed to feel it. We walk by faith, not by sight. You know what the center of the Bible is? Psalm 118, verse 8. It is better to trust and take refuge in the Lord than to put confidence in man. That is the center of the Bible. Isaiah 8, 11 through 14. This is so good. For the Lord spoke to me with his strong hand upon me, and he warned and instructed me not to walk in the way of this people. So we're not, we're warned, don't walk in the way that the world walks. Filled with fear, filled with anxiety, filled with dread, filled with forebodings, filled with bad reports. I have people go, do you watch the news? No. Why should I? It's a bad report. I believe a good report. I believe the government rests on the shoulders of Jesus. Not on any man. The Bible says, who are, you af- who are you that you're afraid of man who dies? The Bible says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he reap. I don't have anything to be afraid of. I know who the king is. I know whose dominion it is. So don't walk in the way of this people. Saying, do not call conspiracy all that this people call Conspiracy. I'll leave it at that. Neither be in fear of what they fear or in dread and make others afraid and in dread. The Lord of hosts, here you go, regard him as holy and honor his holy name by regarding him as your only hope of safety. And let him be your fear and let him be your dread, lest you offend him by your fear of man and distrust of him. Let me tell you something. Let's not give men so much power. And he shall be a sanctuary, a sacred and an indestructible asylum to those who fear and trust him. Who is he a sanctuary for? Who is he an indestructible asylum for? Those who trust him. Those who trust him. 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 10. 
We do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about the affliction and oppressing distress which befell us. Indeed, we felt within ourselves that we had received the very sentence of death. I bet you almost everyone in this room has sometimes felt like, wow, I've just, it's, it's over, I've had it. I've received the sentence, a sentence I can't ever get out of it. Look at this. But that was to keep us from trusting in and depending on ourselves instead of from God who raises the dead. So sometimes, oftentimes, those trials happen to keep us from trusting in ourselves and relying on him. It is he who rescued and saved us from a perilous death, and he will still rescue and save us. In him we have set our hope, and he will again deliver us from danger and destruction and draw us to himself. Ephesians 1, 11, and 12. In him also we've obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his will, that he who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. This is the last scripture. And then I'm going to tell you something. Hebrews 2, 11 through 13. Both he who sanctifies and we who are sanctified all have one father. For this reason, he is not ashamed to call us brethren. For he says, I will declare your father's name to my brethren in the midst of the great congregation. I will sing praises to you. And again, he says, my trust and my confidence shall be fixed in him. My trust shall be fixed in him. The, my godmother that I spoke of earlier called me the other day, and she said, I was praying for you. And she said, I got two words for you. Now, I'm going to tell you something. When she speaks, I listen, because she has been extremely, extremely, extremely Wait a minute. Accurate. Yeah, but I'm trying to find what I want to read to you. Here we go. Got it. And this was the word she said to me. The Lord says, do not look at the past. I am the God of creation. Do you trust me? I went, wow, Lord, you're asking me if I trust you. I guess I need to answer so what do you do when God asks you if you trust him? And he always will. You go back to the word. Take the scriptures I've given you. You're my refuge. You're my fortress. You're my God in whom I trust. Let it never be said that I trusted you and you failed to rescue me. You take the scripture. You say back to God what he said. Put your confidence in him. But I'm afraid. When I am afraid, I will trust you. You don't have to feel it. And you probably won't. Now, this morning, <clears throat> you know I love <clears throat> Russ Walden. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And um, he has, it's called The Father Says Today. And I read this this morning and I went, wow, no coincidence. I'm going to read it to you. It's very encouraging. The Father says today, let go of the fears and doubts that have held you back. Trust in me. And my plans for your life. I have set a path before you that will lead you to the fulfillment of your dreams and the realization of your destiny. 
You are not bound by the limitations of this world around you, nor of their opinions. You are a child of the Most High God, and your future is secure in my hands. So do not be afraid to dream big and pursue the desires I have placed within your heart. I am with you every step of the way, guiding and directing you toward your destiny. Walk in faith and confidence, knowing that nothing can stand against you when you are walking in my will. Remember, my beloved, that I am for you and I am not against you. I am the God of love and everything I do is motivated by love for you. So trust in me and allow me to lead you into the abundant life I have prepared for you. You are destined for greatness and nothing can stop my plans for your life. Rejoice in this truth and walk boldly into your future knowing that I am with you always. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting chosenessay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.